What are you doing here? Why do you ask questions to which you already know the answers? Don't give up on the Merrick. What would you have me do, Charles? I've heard these arguments before. It was a long time ago. Mankind has evolved since then. Yes, into us. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Welcome back to Into the Superverse. Today we will be discussing X-Men 2000. We are starting another fun series. We have been pretty excited to get into X-Men. Uh, this is Maul's favorite franchise, I would say. Would you agree? Probably, yes. And it's been a while since we've watched any of the movies in this series, just for fun. Uh, I had Other not... than Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah, we did watch Dark Phoenix pretty recently, a couple months ago. Uh, I hadn't seen the original trilogy and then some until Molly and I started dating. I think we watched them back in college. I faintly remember watching them for the first time. Um, and then I have seen a couple of them that you have not. Well, I've only seen, you haven't seen Logan. And I went out of my way to watch Logan. Um, and we'll get to that eventually. But for now, we have jumped back 21 years. Uh, we've hopped in our little time machine and we are seeing where this whole little mini universe started. Yeah, I saw these back Back in the day, in the early 2000s. Not when it came out, but... Yeah, we would have been six years old when this came out. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Um, but not not too far after that. Yeah. I think I got it at the library. That sounds Where all right. the best movies come from. A lot to talk about in this one. This is one of those superhero movies that has really left its mark. On the genre. If this had been a movie made with a lesser cast, it might not have been as remembered, but the fact that they were able to recruit such powerhouses really turned it into like something special. Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen. Those two alone. I'm like, how much money did you have? Uh, so, yeah. Let's jump into this. Yeah, where is this coming off of Lord of the Rings? Uh, this was right before the first Lord of the Rings. Oh, interesting. Let me, let me check myself there. I was just going to say, I wonder if they would have been able to get Ian McKellen. Yeah, so this, this one came out uh, a year before The Fellowship of the Ring. And of course, they filmed those... Not of course. I don't even know if this is true, but I'm pretty sure they filmed them all simultaneously. Uh, and released them the three simultaneously. The so 2001, 02, 03, they banged out all three. So, yes, he probably would have been busy if they'd started production on it any later. How many people do you think thought that they walked into the wrong movie when this started? It is a really brutal beginning of the movie. I forgot that that's how it started. I also actually forgot that they introduced this in this franchise because I know how much they cover it with Michael Fassbender's Magneto. Um, they do another flashback that's also really dark in those movies. Yeah, they revisited it a couple times. But, yeah, I mean, 
it is... Yeah, I mean, I didn't have too much to really say about it, besides it's a great opening. It's very impactful, despite having no dialogue. And it really, it brings you into, like, the emotional center of Magneto's character. It's obviously, like, really pretty to start with that in... And having that in the backdrop of this whole mutant registration conversation that's happening, um, which I think has has become an evergreen conversation. Like that doesn't feel dated. This mutant registration no, not thing. At all. We're living in a whether people should have to like say if they're vaccinated right now. Like it's very interesting to think about. Um, obviously, it, it's not the same thing, but just like this idea around it is unfortunately health, basically a timeless allegory for pretty much anything. Whether you're talking about racism, sexism, political classes, you know, virtually anything can be applied to the the kind of relationship that the mutants have with governmental bodies, and it. It is evergreen. So I really do like have to applaud this movie for diving headlong into that, you know, like within the first 10 minutes of the movie. And I hope that when we get our modern reboot, they go into it with the same gusto. Cause I think that is you mean the Marvel, reboot? the Marvel reboot. And I really hope that they understand that that is what that's the real heart of the X-Men, I think, you know, otherwise they're just a regular superhero team. The struggle is what, like, gives it so much of its oomph. Yeah, and this, like, uh, dichotomy between two sides of the same side. Mm-hmm. So Magneto versus Professor X. It's interesting. Like, I don't even know how you would go about making an X-Men movie without dipping your toes into that, but it wouldn't surprise me if somebody tried. Just because they're like, well, do we really need to be talking about this in a superhero movie? And that's something that I would have expected to come out of a movie at this time. You know, when it was still just like... Superhero movies now are still just, these are superhero movies. 21 years ago, it was like, they had no reason to like be as serious about this as they... As they were. I guess, but, like, super, like comics were kind of born out of political... I mean, I, I agree. ...unrest or political division. Like, that's kind of, like, comics started after, like, World War II, really, like... I guess what I'm saying ways. is, at, in this era of comic book movies, I would not have been shocked if the production companies at the time didn't realize that. Or didn't care. Well, yeah, like DC wasn't doing political stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess with the penguin, he was making a political statement. The cutting political commentary of Danny DeVito. Um, Fantastic Four hadn't come out yet, but they didn't try and do anything political, really. I mean, no, it was just like a fun comic book team. You know, nothing more than that. I which mean, is, science nerds and versus like that's, the cool kids. But like, that's fine. Like, there is a place for that. But it's so important to X-Men. So I'm glad they recognize that. What do you think made them decide to start this series, like, so far in the future, though, with 
Professor X being, like, considerably older, Magneto being considerably older, like, just skipping right to that. I mean, it is kind of nice because it's, like, they're, like, the school especially is already established, but I'm just kind of surprised, I guess, that they did that in hindsight. I don't know. Um, it could have been any number of things, I guess. My, my guess would be that they wanted to use the most recognizable X-Men and have them be true to like what people knew. You know, I guess they were still kind of coming fresh off of the 90s animated series. And I don't know who the main characters were in I mean, the Storm, show. Wolverine, I guess, Cyclops. I don't know how much like the casting was informed by the story choices or if they like had the characters or the actors that they wanted and they were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. It wouldn't have surprised me if they had gone back and forth between doing something like First Class and this. Yeah, I guess the comics are always with Professor X older. The wise old. Yeah, that makes sense. I love that they did the prequels, though. The um, X-Men First Class is probably one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. I'm really excited to watch that again. I'm I'm also really excited to watch Days of Future Past because I haven't seen it in... Like six or seven years, probably. Been a long time. And it, I remember it being very good, but we'll have to watch the Rogue cut. That was a like kind of director's cut with a bunch of scenes with Rogue added, which I didn't know existed uh, until recently. I think and, I did. I heard of it, but and speaking of that, so we start this movie off with a couple scenes of different mutants, and then before they're brought together. And one of the first ones that we see is Rogue demonstrating her power set by just giving her boo a sweet kiss. This is the worst mutant power. It. I said she literally has the worst fucking power set. Like, I feel is... so bad for Rogue. And spoiler for the next movie, like, I get why she gives up her power. <laughs> yeah. Or I think it's either the next one or the third one. Oh, I think that is the third one. I think that's like the whole, there's like a vaccine or something or a cure. Um, With an angel. Who wouldn't if they're just basically cursed with this? Like, it's so unfortunate. Yeah, it's also like, when does she get to use it for good even? I I think they try and do it. I think they do, but like still, it's rough. And I guess it was supposed to be, like... I know that they had mentioned it in the Senate hearing. Some mutant powers develop when you hit, like, puberty. Yeah. So that was her case. Yeah. Because I was mentally, like... It kind of just took a millisecond to click for me, being like, how did no one else notice this? But it was like, that is just unfortunate. I actually thought he had died. I remember him dying, and that's, like, why she went on the run. But a coma is still pretty bad. I remember that it was a comma. I think they're trying to still be a little tame with this movie. Yeah. Um, Pull some punches. Nobody really dies, except for the fake Wolverine. Not fake, but like... Yeah. Yeah. The bear. Saber. Saber Saber Sabertooth. Yeah. I think he actually dies. And speaking of him, so we get introduced to Wolverine in a scene where he's in like a Canadian underground... He's at a bar. Like fighting in a bar. Yeah. And... I have two notes about this. One, I forgot that they did these metal clinking sound effects when Wolverine punches somebody. 
They only oh, do yeah. it in that scene, but I'm like, oh no. I you For a moment, I thought they were going to yeah. keep doing it. I was like, this is no good. And also, between this and the first Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, uh, superheroes getting their names in underground fighting arenas was very hip at the time. Well, he already had his name. Yeah, but it kind of was just like, we're not going to have him say it first because it's so ridiculous. Oh, you're the Wolverine. Oh, you're the Spider-Man. It's like, well, you can't have them say it because it's extra corny. (laughs) Um, I, this is, I like when they did the movie Wolverine, how they really tied it in well. And they even have a scene in Wolverine where they try to recruit him for the school. That's in um, first class. Oh, but I think, don't they show it in Wolverine too? They for might, some reason? They might. Or the Wolverine? I don't or remember it well though. Oh, maybe I remember I'm that, that scene. Up. I, I, thought, I thought it was in one of the Wolverine movies, but yeah, you're probably right that it was first class. And he's like in a bar in Canada. Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just first class, but. Um, so, of course, here we are introduced to arguably to. Molly's chagrin, the most iconic character from this franchise, which is, of course, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. My note was Hugh Jackman is so into being Wolverine. Oh, yeah. I actually do like him in this movie, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's great. He is good, but it's just like they did this whole recast with First Class, and they're like, nope. We're doing like 12 movies with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yeah. Yeah. They really leaned into him. But I guess, you know, like what if they had cast him in this movie and he just like flopped? Like everybody was like, well, we like these movies, but you know, that, that Hugh Jackman guy, don't like him. What would the trajectory of these movies have been? Would it would have been James Marsden thrust into like the center of it all? Who knows? I didn't. I don't really think of these as centered around Wolverine, but, but he is very you're right. It is. I just think of it being centered around the X Men doing X Men things, and like obviously the Magneto v Doctor Professor X stuff. Yeah. Uh, and here is what we're talking about. Mr. Like, I thought he oh. left earlier. Sorry. I forgot he was there, like, the entire time. Like, I thought he left and came back, like... No, he stayed with the gang. Yeah. Good for him. While we're on the topic of huge jacked man, he was, in fact, cast three weeks into the filming of this movie. They had another guy named Dugray Scott lined up. Uh, he unfortunately had some scheduling conflicts filming Mission Impossible 2. That is really And I think he had a, a motorcycle accident. So he was like, I can't do this. And three weeks into filming, they picked Hugh Jackman. Last minute decision. Wow, that is very fun. And this guy okay. looks, you can tell, I know that this is a visual medium, or not a visual medium, but... There is a look oh, that they yeah, were going for here. Jackman. Poor guy. What happened to him? What happened to his I, career? I don't know. I hope he's doing okay. Don't recognize the name. So um, how, So speaking of characters that are introduced, so we just mentioned that we've seen Dark Phoenix somewhat recently. What do you? Th- how do you think like the Phoenix that we know from that movie and some of the other ones holds up to the Jean Grey Phoenix that we entered, that it's introduced here. 
I just generally speaking, I like the way that I mean in this movie, Jean Grey is like hardly using powers. Yeah, but we I'm get, wondering if that's like intentional. I think it is. Yeah, no, I I do think it's intentional. Um, I gotta say, I think I like this actress better than Sophie Turner, um, who plays Jean Grey in the prequels. Yeah, uh, overall, I like this Jean Grey better than prequel Jean Grey. Um, unfortunately, both of them were done a disservice by the movies in which they become Dark Phoenix. I mean... I don't know if that's a disservice or if that's like what's meant to happen. But like, the movie—I just comics. mean the movies were bad. I didn't think Dark Phoenix was as bad as everyone said it was. I well, I don't. I actually did like Dark Phoenix, but it did kill the prequel series. Like that—that that tanked it. They were planning on starting another trilogy, with Dark Phoenix as being the first one, and it was one of the producers of X Three: The Last Stand. Who directed it? And he's like, I'm going to do it right this time. I just think there was... I don't know why they decided to do it again. <laughs> I feel like, not that I'm super familiar with the X-Men comics, but they could have gone other ways. You mean where Jean Grey just, like, goes off and, like, kills everyone? Or just not do the Jean Grey Phoenix plotline for the prequels. Just do something... Like, literally anything else. I don't know. Yeah, I... They just, they didn't need to do that again. They could have, like, I, I don't know. There were other characters that they could have used, but they just, they leaned into it. They wanted to do it again. They wanted to right their wrong. I feel like it was too hard to do it with Sophie Turner's character because there weren't enough, like, stakes with her. Like, we didn't, we hadn't grown attached to her as a character in the franchise. I, I mean, same with X3. But she had been in... Two of the movies, at least. So yeah, Turner but it was still in one. Felt, I don't know. I yeah, I don't know if there's a good way to do it, but I feel like it makes sense to to keep trying to do it because it's like it's the thing. It's also like a perfect character because she's like so put together. I like how she's like a doctor and all this in this one, and then like this other thing is like under her, and she's like been suppressing it even as an adult. Like you think that she has. Or shit together, which I think they explore really well in Dark Phoenix. Yeah. It, it is unfortunate. Yeah. Just just didn't work out. They should have given Cyclops a single visor from the jump and not these Oakley-looking <laughs> sunglasses. He looks like a bro going out for a, a day on the mountain with his skis. He does switch them up uh, by the end of the movie, I think. To the visor and thing? They are, it's slightly better, but <laughs> I get what they were going for. Um, you know, like this guy who had just been cast in Mission Impossible 2. It was it was the aesthetic of the time. Turn of the century, like, quote-unquote, cool. I think Very Matrix. I think Tom Cruise literally had a pair of Oakleys in Mission Impossible 2 that, like, explodes when he throws them. I don't know. We didn't get that far into the movie. We did get that far. It, I think it plays a secret message, and then it's like, this will self-destruct, and he throws them towards the camera in slow motion. Oh. Um, is it canon that Wolverine is hurting? It hurts his hand every time to put out the... Uh, let me check. I mean, the only info I have on Wolverine is from these movies. Um, I just feel like 
I don't know if they come back to that in the Wolverine movies because of all the stuff that happens to him, but that seems not great that it's, like, painful to use his own power. Um, yes, apparently the line in the movie was taken from the comic. All right. Sorry, Wolverine. And the only reason it doesn't bleed is because his healing factor stops mm. it. But... Yeah, I guess that's part of his character. It's like he has, you know, I was going to say it's a blessing and a curse, but it's really the the healing factor would be a blessing, but everything else is a curse. So if he didn't have his healing factor and he was trying to use his claws, he'd probably just die of blood loss because he's just... Yeah. (laughs) Um, We get a Stan Lee cameo in here, but he doesn't have any lines. I know, but he is there, and good thing you pointed out, because I wasn't really paying attention. It's when the uh, senator, who has been mutinized, uh, washes up on the beach. Yeah, I kept expecting him to say something, because that was the uh, kind of de facto thing in his MCU appearances, is just having it pop up and do a a little quip. I just wanted to see him there. Magneto has such an evil layer in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's, like, such a classic villain, I think, as well, in this one. Like, they don't really try and make him that redeemable. I really like how they do Michael Fassbender's Magneto, though, in the prequels. Like, the stories that they do with him, and I just really like Michael Fassbender in them. Like, it's much more interesting. I mean, I think Ian McKellen's great, and I like his chemistry with Patrick Stewart, but... The the fact that they were able to get Ian McKellen to bring like all this gravitas to a role where the only backstory we get for this Magneto is, you know, a less than five minute flashback with no dialogue in the beginning, but it makes it clear enough what his motivations are and what they imply from all these conversations that he has with Professor X, you're like, okay, I get it. Like I get this character. And you know that between that and the fact that he is as old as he is and is still, you know, kind of out there leading this fight, you know that it's personal. Yeah. Um, and it, it takes it, you know, a step up from your standard bad guy. He picked some really shitty lackeys, though. Like, Toad, are we serious? Yeah, but Toad is, like, kicking their ass, and it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, he's good. The uh, actor that plays Toad is the guy that played Darth Maul in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Wow. Another fun fact. Is that like kind of a stereotype role now? I don't got? know. I think that guy has um, kind of done well for himself with voice acting and whatnot now. So, uh, And talking about Magneto being a villain or good villain, Magneto turning the guns on all the cops is such a good moment. <laughs> so good. It's just like, this is one guy. And you think it's going to be a big, like, oh shit moment when Professor X gets into the heads of Sabretooth and Toad, but... Yeah, it reminds me of, like, other scenes, too. I feel like we've seen something really similar in the Marvel movies. Well, they do another scene in the I mean, prequels. Elizabeth Olsen does. Yeah. In uh, WandaVision. Yeah. But there's also a moment, because in this scene, we have Magneto. He fires one of the guns and then is holding the bullet in one of the cop's foreheads and it's like slowly burrowing in. And he does that in the prequels. Um, 
but I'm pretty sure he sends it all the way through somebody's head. It's not a it's not a bullet. I think it's a quarter. Yes, I yeah. I so a bit of a callback there. Um, or call forward. call forward. Yeah. This whole bedroom scene with Rogue and Wolverine is buck wild. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about that. Like, why would you go in there to wake him up from a bad dream? First of all. Like, he's he's a grown man. How did can, you know that was happening? Like, does she have super hearing? Yeah, that was very strange. Or like, I just I get that they needed to like establish this, but I feel like they could have done it in a different way. Like, it just felt uncomfortable that she's like a teenager in his bedroom too. Like, it was very weird, and like, I get that they were trying to make this like more of a familial like friendship but it has a weird edge to it that i wasn't here for yeah it felt kind of unnatural the way that they did it i don't know what that was all about like i think separately they do a really good job of acting but whenever they had scenes together which is a lot it i wasn't like i don't know just didn't sit right chemistry's not really there and i don't mean like romantic chemistry obviously but just like yeah we weren't they were trying to like hammer it in that like they're bonding they're bonding like he's opening up emotionally but i'm like i don't really I don't really get it. Yeah, but, like, what was it supposed to represent? Like, a father-daughter? Like... I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, an interesting thing that we have here is, obviously, in the prequel movies, Jennifer Lawrence's mystique is a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, for Especially, I don't think she was in... Is she in first class? Yes. yes. Oh, it's... A huge but part. from Days of Future Past, she is, like, huge in that. No, I mean, I think you're misremembering some of the backstory because it's all about her friendship with uh, Charles when they were right. younger. Because she, like, sneaks into the... Yeah, mansion. and they're best friends. And then she ends up leaving Charles I am forgetting for, first class a bit. ...for Eric. And, is, and part of it is that Charles doesn't accept her for who she truly is. He's always, like... You should, you know, don't be blue, basically. Don't yeah, be like your natural yeah. self. Um, it's it's very important. And they don't it's very even shitty, Charles. hint at that in this. I don't think they had that as part of it. Well, that's why I was bringing up, like, it's interesting to see how they treat that character. Because, yes, I forgot these, the main plot of First Class. But she is, they explore her character a lot throughout these movies and she goes through a lot of twists and turns and different allegiances and alliances so it's interesting going from those including dark phoenix where she wasn't really doing a lot of dark phoenix um to this movie where she is basically just an assassin with some cool abilities but we don't know anything about her yeah like she doesn't even speak yeah which is a shame, but there there were a lot of characters. I guess she says movie. one thing in the helicopter. Yeah, but not like, you know, we don't know anything about her motivations or her backstory in this one. And I swear to God, I've seen people online who probably just don't like Jennifer Lawrence being like, uh, the other Mystique was better. I'm like, not, it's not comparable. I also think Jennifer Lawrence is really good as Mystique. Yeah. 
Um, I think they do more with Mystique in X2 and X3. I think you're right. Um, because the, the actress that plays her, or I don't know if they get a different actress player, but the actress that plays her, like, you see her in her human form as that actress more in either X2 or X3 or yeah. both. I genuinely thought that that, speaking of Mystique, I thought it was the real Bobby saying that stuff to Rogue when they were on the bench. And I was so upset. I was like, Bobby would never do this. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's Mystique. Yeah, that would have been pretty fucked up. It was still really fucked up. Yes, but not not quite as bad. Still really bad. So she must have done a good job of spying on them, you know, getting, you know, you have to understand all their speech patterns and stuff. Or is that just part of her abilities? Or is it is it just the shape shifting, or does it come with like? She, I think she gets the voice, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other really fucked up shit that Mystique does is the stuff to the cerebral thing, and that's a one of a kind piece of technology. Killed Charles. Yeah. Like With no remorse. Yeah. Also, like I don't even think that really fits in with Magneto's character. Like he's not trying to kill Charles. Like he likes. Well, he doesn't, like, like... He likes Charles as a... A friendly adversary. Yeah. Like, he has no need to kill Charles. They always show them playing chess, and that's, like, how their relationship is. Yeah, they're not... They're not at each other's throats. They're just, like, we can be... And we they, respectfully disagree. Yeah. Please stop killing people, Eric. They have this intellectual... Banter, or... Back and forth... That I think they both would miss if the other one was killed. Or if they... They would never kill each other. So I just don't like that that was included. I get that they had to get um, Charles out of the way, but... Yeah, I think that was a bit of a... You know, we're not... Unless it was supposed to, like, not kill him. It was supposed to, like... Just incapacitate him? Paralyze him. I guess that argument could be made, but they never say one way or another. So yeah, it kind of just seems like... It's out of character, or Mystique was just going rogue. <gasps> rogue? Um, overall, I found that the non-action portions of this movie definitely aged better uh, for a variety of reasons, whether it be... I thought the CGI itself was okay. There wasn't a lot of it, but it's like the classic like old-school superhero movie combat. Everyone's like doing flips. It's really floaty. They're all in their black leather suits. And they make a crack about not wearing yellow spandex. And now it's like people are fiending for an X-Men movie where they're wearing yellow spandex. They don't all wear yellow, though, in the comics. That's specifically Wolverine. Wears yellow and blue, I think. I thought that there was a scene at the end of first class where they're like, all right, guys, we're doing our training, and they're all wearing yellow and blue suits. And it was supposed to be, like, a, a comic thing. And then in the next movie, they're wearing black leather again. Storm always wore white in the comics. Yeah. Or in the t- TV show, I mean. Yeah. I'm thinking of the cartoon TV show. Let me see it if I can... Yeah, so here's what they had them all wearing at the end of the... Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I'm saying, like, the the cartoon, they weren't wearing... I guess 
like they all are do have some yellow. But I could have sworn Storm would always wear like white. Yeah. See, she's like wearing mostly white. Mm -hmm. So I guess all they all have some variation of it. Well, in any case. Interesting. That's like one of those things. And where then one guy's just wearing red and purple. <laughs> Who's that? What's his deal? You know what to him? Oh wow. This the cartoon is just so like old school looking. It's like very uh, rough. Nineties um, animation. But I used to watch it a little bit on Saturday mornings. I think the that quip was the same reason that Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin looked like a Power Ranger. It was just like we can't we can't fully commit to this yet, and it's like that kind of cool the early two thousands coolness, you know. We're coming fresh off the Matrix. Everybody loves leather. <laughs> Just put them on leather. They look like Scooby-Doo characters. <laughs> um, I, well, I was actually... My next note was about the technology. I was like, it's not, it's not bad for 2000. Like, they do this whole thing with, like, a map. And they're like, this is where it is. And then this is where it's going to be. And I was like, that looks good. It could definitely be worse. I don't mean to rag on it. But, like, when the scenes where it's just, like people talking to each other and like in the the x mansion i kind of forgot like what when this was. movie came yeah. out the senator kelly cgi was bad yeah they that would like they really picked like an animation that would be hard to do well now like the the gloopy like all blobby yeah. stuff that never looks good you know what um i don't know if it's cgi or what but what I really loved was Storm coming out of the elevator. Yeah, she looked like a badass. And then it was kind of ruined. Okay, so I have a fun fact about this moment. This is a classic, let's let's rag on the Fox X-Men movies. Storm storms out of the elevator and is threatening Toad, raining down lightning strikes upon lightning strikes. And in her climactic one-liner to this little shit toad. She says, do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Same thing that happens to everyone else. And the original plan was to have toad giving like these annoying little lines being like, you know what happens when a toad wants food and then like, you know, eat someone and uh... shoot out his tongue. You know what happens when a toad's in a hurry and then, like, jump really high and far? But they, like, edited it all out. And I guess they got to a point where it was like, well, we can't just, like, get rid of this line. Oh, God. So it's poor, so bad. poor Halle Berry. She's... She definitely saw that on premiere and was like, I look like an idiot. <laughs> she deserves better than that. Like, that is an Oscar winner. It, it's so... It's set up for a pun... Or something witty or something. And it's just... It's just nothing. <laughs> it's just... It lives on to this day. When people talk about this movie. I did have one note that was like... Oh my gosh, I forgot they killed Mystique. Oh, NVM. JK. JK. <laughs> I was like, wow. That's really... I was really surprised wow, by that. I thought she was in the other movies. I thought she was going to matter. So much of this movie took place at the Statue of Liberty. 
I thought that there was like another like big standoff and then they went to Statue of Liberty. And obviously there are like these set pieces at the train station and stuff. But like when they showed up, I was like, oh, I was like, I know that the big climactic fight is here. So, okay, I guess we're in it. Yeah, I was thinking, like, when I was like, oh, I wonder what scene I'll say is my favorite, whatever, while we were watching, I was like, there aren't that many um, fight scenes. No. It's a pretty short movie, I guess, all things considered. It's an hour and 45. Yeah. It's the same deal as the first Fantastic Four. Most of the movie is around getting the team together. Yeah. They set up the villain, and then they fight the villain A lot of it is them exploring their powers, yeah. Um, did you have any notes about, you know, the end or anything like that once they are at the Statue of Liberty? Um, not too much, specifically. I, I do enjoy this battle and seeing how everybody gets to use their abilities and having Jean Grey use Cerebro was, like, kind of a cool moment of, like, selfless sacrifice, and that was a good character moment for her. Um... But as far as the fight itself, not too much. It's fun to watch. Um, and I enjoy that they could have gone, like, a really bad path and, like, just killed off Magneto. Like, I know that they didn't... We were just talking about Fantastic Four. I know that they didn't kill off Doctor Doom, but that's, like, the villain. And they defeated him really easily. So it was kind of nice that, like, yes, they defeated Magneto, but, like... He has, like, such a threatening presence that even though he is in this plastic prison, you, like, you know. There's no match for him. Like, he put them all to shame, like, immediately. Yeah. Like, if he wasn't, like, weekend, basically, they wouldn't have stood a chance. Oh, yeah. No, he is strunk. I like Rogue's white hair that she gets from this event. Yeah. That was fun. Okay, I have an important question for you. Hit me. Do you ship it? Or should I say, who do you ship? Who do I ship? When it comes to Ms. Jean Grey, whom we were speaking about earlier. I think Logan's a little shit in this, but I ship him and Jean Grey more than her and Scott in this movie. And maybe it's just because James Marston, his only thing in this is being like kind of funny but, like, I just wasn't... I just didn't get it. She's like, oh, I'm with Scott down the hall. I'm like, you are, like... I don't know. I, I don't see it. But I don't really see it with Wolverine either. But I guess if I had to pick. I don't think they really showed her and Scott together at That's all. the problem. But I don't ship her and Logan at I, all. I think he was... Yeah, I don't... And I don't think she would be down for that. I think it's kind of like... oh, like, I think she was thinking about it. <laughs> When she read his mind. <laughs> to me, it was kind of like, oh, this is like a fun little flirt, but like, no. Like, you're kind of insane. Also, don't stab me with your claws. I think that what they explore is that Scott is basically kind of afraid of her powers mm-hmm. and doesn't want her to use them, really. Yeah. And Logan's kind of the antithesis of that. Yeah. Interesting, yeah, and like of course that becomes a big thing in the second and third movies, but in this one, there's not at least you know if you if you were watching this with no knowledge of the later movies, 
You might not have been able to tell that they were like, trying to set something up with them. I guess by the end, maybe you would. But... I don't think so. No? I think it's hard. I mean, I... Because it, it kind of just seems like, like a bit. Like, oh, they're just like flirty. But... Oh, I don't mean that. I thought you meant like Jean Grey. Setting up. I Jean. meant setting up their relationship. Like being important. Because it is. I know. I thought you meant setting up Jean Grey doing Dark Phoenix. Oh, well, I yeah, I definitely don't think that. That's like only for comic fans at the time who'd have been like, that's Jean Grey. I know what happens to her. But there are hints to it. Yes. Like in hindsight, I mean. The Cerebro stuff and all, but yeah. What else you got? That's it. Okay. We're going to play a game. We're going to do a recast. But before we do that, let's say um, our favorite scene from the movie and what... We have a lot of choices here for powers or who we'd want to be. It's going to be a tough one. Um, favorite scene, I think, has to be the pre-fight in the floor of the museum of yeah. the Statue of Liberty or yeah. whatever, like the gift shop. <laughs> it's the gift shop. <laughs> um, and they all get to do stuff. Um, they do all get great. to show off. Uh, I already mentioned it earlier, but I think my favorite is at the uh, end of the train station fight when Magneto gets the upper hand uh, and kind of shows off like the the superiority that he has over Charles and turns the guns on the cops and is like, you can't touch me it's just such a such a display of force he's a force to be reckoned with that magneto yeah or like me. you have to be willing to sacrifice me in order to and, save and he knows all of he these won't. people yeah it's like the batman joker thing but a little less psychotic that's what i was kind of thinking i was like they need each other in some ways but i didn't want to make that comparison <laughs> i mean not to the same level of obsessive compulsion but it's not good it's not a healthy relationship um, well, I've always wanted to be telekinetic, so I gotta go Jean Grey. Mm. Yeah. With Magneto I mean, as a second. Yeah. Jean Grey's a good pick. This is tough. I mean, I'm not interested in any of the ones that are like, I'm just gonna be good at fighting or I mean, defending Wolverine can self-heal, which is pretty cool. If I could get the self-healing without the adamantium skeleton... And undergoing a horrific surgery to get it. Cool. I can do that. If not, give me Magneto. If not that. Because Magneto You know is what just... Charles's mind control? I don't think so. It seems, you know, that's just not that's just not a responsibility that I want to have. I would also do the shape-shifting. That would be really cool. Oh, shape-shifting would be cool. Mystique. I think I just want Magneto's for, like, convenience. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, like, I don't want world domination, but, like, I've been you know, like, what if I drop a quarter when I'm getting my card at Aldi? Zoop. Zoop. <laughs> right back into your hand. Save um, yourself a little trouble. My back is thanking me already. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going Jean Grey. Power, um, power move. Uh, so, what we're going to do here is... We have recast the what we deemed to be the main cast as if we were producing this film in 2021. Who would we want in the parts of Professor X, Magneto, Rogue, Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, and Jean Grey? We've got quite an array to work with here. 
But should we just start from the top with Professor X? Yeah, who do you got? I picked Brian Cranston. Oh, interesting. I think wow. he is kind of strikes the balance between younger and older, because depending on how you want to play him, he can do both. And he has like this air of like, he could be someone that cares about like the students at the academy, but is also like a bit hardened mm-hmm. by the conflict that he's been through. And I think he could do that really well. Yes. I was trying to think of somebody that struck that balance as well. And the age thing. And I picked uh, one Gary Oldman. Ooh. Oh, that's a good pick. And I feel like he could pull off bald. Oh, he could definitely pull off we bald. We know Ryan Cranston I've, I've never seen Gary Oldman bald. Uh, he might have played somebody. That that would be a very good pick. He is he's very wise. You know, he could he could pull that off well, but he also has a bit of an edge. Cuz I think I I love Patrick Stewart, but it's like he especially like in this movie, he's like the softer spoken like yeah. He's the the pure like yin to Magneto's yang. James but McAvoy though. He such a there I love the the new gen, or the first class uh casting across the board. It's just yeah. so good. Um okay, speaking of an edge, Magneto. I had you got? Ralph Bean. Um, this is funny. Lord V. Mort himself. I think he is also a great pick. Often seen bald. <laughs> Villainous. Well, Magneto doesn't have to be bald, but... That is true. But, yeah, I mean, I, I totally see that. He would be really good at giving these monologues. And I that... could... I mean, we don't actually see them play off each other in Harry Potter, but Gary Oldman and Ralph Fiend could definitely go toe-to-toe. Yeah. This is funny because I my pick for Magneto was Mark Strong. Who's that again? He was in Kingsman. Um, he was also in. He's been in a billion. Things. I'm sure he's I, the, in Shazam. I just can't, he's the villain um, in Shazam. Picture. Oh, I know who. You're, oh, he has a very evil looking face. Yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I just put in Mark Strong, and then it came up with Stanley Tucci immediately. They do look a lot alike. <laughs> they do. And now I was saying that it's related because um, Ralph Fiennes is going to be in the third Kingsman movie, the prequel. Oh, how fun. Um, yeah, which is, that should have been out a year ago. But um, I think I think he would be he would be good for this party. In Shazam, which is like a bit more hammy than this, he, he plays the, the villain well. And his villain is really dark for that movie, <laughs> like tonally dark. Uh, the next one that I did was Rogue. Okay. And th- I have definitely used this actress in a previous like casting thing on the pod. Same with one of my other picks, actually. But I had Caitlin Dever. Oh, from, from Booksmart. Yeah. Justified. You so love her. I think she would be great in this role. Yes, yeah, she would. Because like I Anna Paquin in this movie is great, but she still comes off to me as like a little bit older. And, like, I'm imagining, like, Caitlin Dever, like, in, in like, book smart age, yeah. like, actually, like, going through, like, a crisis. I picked someone a little bit older, too, but she's the first person that came to mind. She's the one that made me want to do the whole recasting thing. Who's that? Anna de Armas. 
Oh, oh, that's a really good choice. But too. she's a little too old. But I mean, she can play young. But um, maybe you it's an older it role. You can make it work. But... Yeah, she doesn't necessarily have to be like a teenager. But that would be that's great casting too. Um, who'd you have next? Well, I'm in a different order than you, so you, well, okay. you just go with your next person. Um, my next one was Wolverine. Okay. This is like. My my brain has had the trillion fan casts that I've seen for this part because everyone's speculating about the Marvel reboot. Mm-hmm. And this is one that wouldn't happen because it would be a conflict. But Tom Hardy, I think, would be I a very fun I also thought there. about Tom Hardy, but I had to go with my fave, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac would be He'd a do delight. it, obviously, a lot lighter, but it would be amazing. I think that would be... But Tom Hardy's, like, very accurate. I'm I'm very intrigued with the, the Oscar Isaac interpretation of this character. I would though. like Wolverine a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be... Yeah, he would bring a different a different air. I was also thinking um, uh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Um, similarly, but... I always hear, and I can't think of any examples right now, but people talk about how Wolverine's supposed to be, like, short... And really? like kind of stout-ish, not like really tall. I kind of picture buff. him with like a wrestler's body. Yeah. I don't... Which is like usually short. And there's been a couple fan casts that I'm like, I don't... Maybe it's comic accurate, but I don't know about that. I think for I the I remember any of them now. Marvel... I assume they'll pick an unknown person for Wolverine. I would hope so. Because I think like... I, I don't... If they do this first like Mutants movie... Like Wolverine might not even be in it because he was so the last prominent. Yeah, like one of the last movies to come out of this whole thing was his solo movies. Maybe you know, Fresh Blood. There's so many other. Yeah, I hope they do different ones. I mean, they could do like Beast or something like that. Even though he's prominent in the uh, other movies. Like they were trying to make a uh, crap. What's it called? A Gambit movie with Channing Tatum for like ten years, and it never happened. So, like, clearly somebody wants that. Uh, next up, I had Cyclops. Okay. And I picked Joe Keery, Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. He was coming up as a... I was just, like, Googling, like, young actors, basically. And I was like, oh, he would be good in some uh, something. But I didn't know what. Um... Love that. Love him. I just think, like, going off of how James Marsden played him in this movie, like, Joe Keery is just great at, like, he's likable, but, like, you know, going from the the evolution that we've seen of his character in Stranger Things, he's an asshole in the beginning. So if you wanted, like, the audience to be like, oh, we don't like this guy, it's like, oh, you know, by the end of this movie, he's he's a real charmer. Um, I had kind of a similar, I think, vibe with Taron Egerton. Oh, nice. Yes, I forget boss. about him. How can I forget about him? I know. We were just talking about Kingsman. Yeah, he would be a great choice, too. His performance in Kingsman is so, like, he's like a bit of a fish out of water in that. And he's just, he has a lot of fun with it. But he's also, like, a very convincing action hero. Yeah. Um, and then, what, you had Storm next? Storm is next for me. I had Tessa Thompson as Storm. Oh, I like that option. She is 
fantastic in everything that we've ever seen. Yeah, her. you think she could. That's just like a, across the board. Roles. She yeah, she could do anything. But she would. It would be really cool to to see her in that because like of course she's great in Thor, but her character in that is not like well she's she is powerful and she's a Valkyrie, but like her character is not serious really. Yeah, she gets. She she's very sarcastic and stuff. So to see her play like this storm, like you know has a lot of complicated feelings about like human relations and has these super strong powers. I picked uh, Zoe Kravitz. I thought about Zoe Kravitz as well. I just, I really like her and we recently watched High Fidelity, the Hulu version. And I was just like, she's a great actor. I was trying to picture her though in like a high action. She's going to be in uh, the Batman um, as Catwoman, which is, of course, like, she's not a superhero. Yeah, I think she's mostly just going to be someone that is robbing houses, not I could calling see her being thunderstorms Catwoman, and stuff. For sure. But I think it would be really interesting to, to see her play this part. Um, I had a really hard time with Jean Grey. I had a lot of older actresses first. Like, I was thinking, like, Zoe Zeldana or Rachel Weisz, even. And I was like, oh my god, Rachel Weisz is 51. <laughs> Rachel Weisz does not look 51. And she's married to Daniel Craig. Did you I, know that? I knew this. This is not important this, to the I podcast. I just was, it's just some facts I found out about her. So I didn't do any of this. I instead chose, I tried to pick someone the same age as like Taryn Egerton. Natalie Dormer. She is, uh, what's her name? Prince, um, Mar- Mar- Marjorie Taylor. Yeah. That's a, that's a great choice. I, I can think see she that. could do it. She's like cunning. She's a little young, but she's like in her Game of Thrones thing is like being very sly. So if it was like she has like a a secret that she's suppressing, I think that would be yeah. fun. I ripped off one of your choices from a previous one. I said Vanessa Kirby. Oh yeah, because that's a good. Choice. Just like what we talked about, I don't remember who we were casting. Oh, it was The Incredibles. Yeah. Um, she is like very good at being like kind of like coy and in the crown she gets to play this character that is like constantly just going through it yeah so i was like i can see this <laughs> as as she starts to like kind of crack i wanted especially. i thought about putting like elizabeth olsen but i was like elizabeth olsen is like already playing basically jean gray as scarlet witch like it's too similar so i was like i gotta think more outside the box here it is so similar yeah they're both even they're both red right <laughs> um but i, I yeah i think natalie dormer is a interesting choice but all these game of thrones alums make it easy we've seen the, i know the that's i game. was kind of relying on that um it's not a bad thing although I, mean, I guess she was actually my only one from game of thrones for my my casting because yeah. oscar isaac wasn't from yeah, I guess I didn't have any either. But, but I was thinking about people from it. Yeah, it's like a easy to, it's a good bank to have. Well, Sophie Turner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, I mean, we were trying to think of people, I think, that weren't necessarily already in their own yeah. superhero franchise. But it's hard. You were just saying that, like, yeah, so and like, now, like now. I say that, and like, um, Macy Williams was in that New Mutants which we'll, we'll have to watch that on the pod for the first time because neither of us have seen it. And that also had, um, what's his name from Stranger Things, who 
the name I forgot again. Um, the one I cast as Dash. Yeah. No, no. Uh, the like one of the older brothers, I think. He was the creepy one with the camera in the first season. Oh. Why am I just Jonathan? Yes, John Jonathan Byers. He's in that, and so is Anya Taylor Joy, who will probably pop up in a Marvel project soon. I she would also be a good rogue. Anya yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah, sooner or later, it's going to be hard if we're trying to be like, oh, we're not going to pick anyone that's not in superhero movies because that that list is rapidly dwindling. I mean, Oscar Isaac, he's he's in a Marvel thing coming up. Tessa Thompson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fun. This was a delight. And, of course, we're juggling multiple franchises and we're also going to be hopping into, like, one-offs here and there. But... Like I say, with every other series we're watching, I'm really excited to continue watching this one. Um, we haven't seen X2, X3 in a long time. Days of Future Past, yeah. First Class. We have we have a lot to dig into here. I'm even excited to watch X-Men Origins again. Which one is that? It. The first Wolverine solo one. Oh. The one that everybody hates. I thought that was the Wolverine that everyone hates. People like the Wolverine. I didn't really like it that much. Oh, I like the Wolverine origin better. You're, I, you're in the minority. People really rag on it. Even like they had the Deadpool two joke, where Ryan Reynolds is like disavowing it by killing the Deadpool that showed up in that movie. Yeah, well. I just this is so tangential. I do remember thinking that the the Wolverine was boring, yeah. and that X Men Origins was not very good, but it was fun. But the guy that did the Wolverine stayed on and did Logan, so gotcha. I guess somebody had faith. Well, we'll get in. We'll get into all of it. Yeah, a, a year from now, we'll come back to this conversation. Um, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, you know where to find us. I hope. Yeah, and if you don't, if you haven't been listening to the other episodes, in which case you should go back and catch up. Uh, follow us on all of our social media: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And wherever you get your podcast, please, please, please drop in and give us a five-star review if you have enjoyed what you've heard. We want other people to also enjoy it. Spread the word, please. And until next time, we're, we're out, out of, of the, the superverse. superverse.